Welcome everybody to the meeting room, um, a space where we hope we can engage authentically about the very hard topic of racism and how we navigate that in the South African context. Today we are delighted um, to have two friends of the meeting room. Um, the one is um, my partner in ICU and it's um, Karen Nelson, the co-founder of ICU. Um, a non-profit that focuses on mentoring young women um, in schools in the Cape Flats. And then we have Danny Musaji, who is the Executive Director of Arise. And I will give them an opportunity just to introduce um, what they do. But Arise is a family centre um, in Haderfeld, which is in one of the areas ICU works. And it focuses on um, healthy families. So welcome, Karen and Danny. Thank you. I don't know if you just want to do a quick intro. Sure. Um, yeah. So as uh, Haley said, my name is Danny, and yeah, I work at Arise, and Arise is all about strengthening families, no matter how your families are formed. Um, yeah, and I've been there now for six and a half years, so I've been there for a while. Thanks for having Thanks, me, Danny. Thank you, Haley, and thank you, Karen, for inviting me on to this very necessary podcast and space that you are creating. Um, as Haley said, I co-founded ICU with Hales, and um, we work. I, it doesn't feel like work what we do. Um, we mentor young girls on the Cape Flats in three different schools across three grades: grades ten, eleven, and twelve. And the essence of what we do is to reflect their value and worth to them. Um, we do a lot more than that, but that sits at the heart of what we do. Thanks, Karen. And thanks, Danny. And um, the reason why we obviously um, invited Danny and, and Karen onto the podcast is that we realize the importance and the value of the role that nonprofits play in the South African context. And um, it also, when you um, are part of a nonprofit, you have insights into communities that are struggling or communities that have been disenfranchised both in and now or at least feels disenfranchised so i'm going to kick off with the first question um since danny started i'll start with karen so tell us a little bit about yourself and how growing up in south africa has shaped you so i um thought about this question i thought sure i don't really like chatting about myself so i'm going to give you just little keywords and we don't have a lot of time so I am a mother, I am a daughter, I'm a friend, I'm a wife, and I work in ICU. At the heart of who I am is I am a child of God, and that shapes what mm -hmm. I do, how I think, how I navigate the world, and how I navigate our very complex country. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Dawn. Sure. That was sweet. <laughs> Thanks, God. Yeah, a bit about me and how I've kind of grew up. So I grew up in a single parent home, a coloured home on the Cape Flat. So I grew up in Athlone. Um, and I went to most of my life since I was five, I went to a private school in Cape Town. So I was a minority in very much a majority of white population at the school. Um, and growing up, it was it was difficult to navigate that in terms of race and my identity of who I am, because I'd go back with my family who come from all over Cape Town, from Mitchell's Plain to Delft to Bonteville. 
And then I go to school and go to play dates and Constantia and Bishop's Court. So seeing that inequality mm. um, has always been at the heart of my heart. Mm. Um, and my mom was very involved um, in the struggle. Um, in fact, she was actually asked to leave her family for a while because mm. she was so involved. Um, and there's a lot of pain there. Mm. And so growing up, um, especially with my mom, racism and politics was always at the dining mm. room table. And that kind of led my passion into, I want to make things right. And I don't know where I want to make things right. Um, but I, I knew that was where I wanted to go. And then my own personal struggle with not having a good relationship with my father, who struggled with alcohol, that tension was always going, who am I? Why am I here? What is my purpose? And at God's right timing, I became a Christian at 14. And that also just shaped the way I see the mm. world and the decisions I made. And I came to social work. And my first year at varsity, I absolutely loved it. I said, this is where I need to be. Mm. And I felt at home. And since then, I've been doing practicals and working in the Cape Flats from Lavender Hill to Kailicha, um, to Tafelsuch to and Mitchell's Plain. So I've been in the mm. community and I see the need. And I once tried to get away from it because it's very hard mm. um, to a fact where I struggled with PTSD and I had to get some counseling for it. So I went into corporate and I thought, yes, that's, you know, it's mm. too hard. And then while in corporate, I just kept going back into the community and then God mm. led me to arise, which I absolutely love. Um, working with families and seeing how children are impacted with that. Um, so yeah, that's kind of shaped me where I am today. Thanks, Dan Danny. You've actually covered a bit because I was going to ask LinkedIn that how has yeah. it motivated yeah. you yeah. to get into what you do. So yeah. Karen, would you mind Yes, I, I'm dying to get into this part <laughs> of the, the conversation. I think while growing up, I wasn't really aware of the process of being shaped. Um, you kind of just live mm -hmm. life where you're at. And um, growing up in a church, and that's really, if I look back on my childhood, growing up in the church with my family, um, that had a huge impact on how I thought and how I didn't think mm. because it wasn't really encouraged in mm. church or in the circles I moved to talk about politics mm. and um, I remember my dad he was a bit of a dark horse and he would bring it up mm. and it wasn't it was frowned upon mm. and so it was something that I knew was there but not to be mm. spoken mm. about and this continued until I guess I reached a point in my life when I was confronted with um with the question, how did I arrive here? Mm. And it happened, um, strangely enough, not here in South Africa. We lived in England for two mm. years. And I remember, um, you know, as you do when you meet new people and at the beginning of a friendship, you have these conversations about who you are. And, and I remember one day <laughs> talking about the country I grew up in, the city I grew up in, how we grew up, mm. segregation was part of that reality. And I remember these friends of ours who are still friends still today, and we still have these robust, authentic conversations, and they looked at me as if I'm crazy. And that reflected back to me just how crazy mm. this society that mm. I thought was normal mm. yeah. actually mm. was. Mm. And... Um, 
I was confronted with deep-seated wrong thinking about myself mm. um, without me knowing. I looked at myself as less than. Mm. And it wasn't something that I even knew, mm. which is quite scary because mm. I think many of us walk around with scars mm. that mm. we don't know even exist. Mm. It, um, it reflected back to me how I thought about others, mm. either as better than me because that's what the whole system taught us without us even knowing, or less than me. And that's a reality that I think not many of us mm. in the colored community want mm. to admit mm. to. And, um, and how this framework had impacted every part of me without me being aware of it. Um, this is an ongoing process. This is now, we were in the UK in 1997, and it is an ongoing process because obviously there are always things that mm. we learn about ourselves. Mm. And in, that's why I'm so excited about a space like mm. the mm. meeting room where we can robustly mm. engage mm. with those unseen um, stereotypes, unseen beliefs that mm. we've never mm. questioned. Mm. And I think this is the value mm. of what we're doing today. Yeah. Mm. Thanks, Gloria. Yeah. Um, so, Danny, I just I have a question for you. So, when when were you at school uh, in terms of your? Yeah, yeah, I'm. I am the youngest in the room. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was at the school between 1990 and 2004. Okay, yeah. So, so did you matriculate in 2004? Okay, yes. well, I just because the the ladies who are in the meeting room yes. were doing a lot of. Um, our history and mm. so so you both talking about the history of our country yes. and how it impacted you mm. um, so I, th I thought that was helpful just to to peg it um, I did not finish in 2004 <laughs> <laughs> I didn't ask you <laughs> because but you, 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 you yeah, yeah. it's fine friend it's fine you put a date in there um, so I think you know uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna pose the question that I've written here slightly differently because as you were talking I thought it's interesting you know many um, we don't want to just say white people in South Africa but I would say because I'm the only white person in the room I can speak sort of on behalf of white people would say well um, that was the past mm. and we are now in um, post-apartheid um, South Africa um, you know uh, let's Let's just move on, and and part of that moving on would be looking at both the work that both of you do. So, so I think I would I would love I think Haley would also we just love you to tell tell us a little bit about Danny. You did a bit about Arise, but Corin a little more about ICU, and and people might not realize what the purpose of NGOs or MPOs are today. Mm -hmm. um, you know that might have been, and we did have NGOs in the and. Um, in the past, before democracy, and that has shifted and changed, and I'd, we'd love you to talk about that too. But kind of what is the need, and surely we have a government now that is taking care of all the needs of all the people in our country, so why <laughs> in the world do we need to have the work that you are doing? Oh, Karen, um, I wish that I, so my dream is, to work myself out of a job mm. so that there is no need mm. for ICU to go into these schools and um, do the work that we do. That, that is my dream. But unfortunately, that is 
I don't want to be a pessimistic, but I don't think that will, it will happen in my lifetime. And why I say that, it's a multifaceted question that requires a multifaceted answer, but we are pressed for time. So firstly, moving on, I think is um, without sitting with the history and, and seeing how it reaches into the present, mm -hmm. I don't think that moving on is a healthy thing mm -hmm. to do. Um, I'm going to use a gross example, but I think it does capture what I'm saying. If you've had a wound that has festered, mm -hmm. you cannot just put a plaster over it and, and move on. You've actually got to lance the wound. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that we're only now starting mm -hmm. to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, we've dismantled systems, sort of, and we have, um, we, you know, we, in law, we're a democracy. Mm -hmm. But I think that the hard work of deprogramming people, because mm -hmm. apartheid wasn't just a system, it actually shaped people, mm -hmm. how we think, how we live, how we not why we don't live um and so i think this process of dismantling is a long process mm -hmm. and it does require us to look back but i will say that at the same time and this is what makes it very difficult and complex we have to also look for look mm -hmm. towards the future and imagine what we want how we want to live mm -hmm. but unfortunately it's a looking back and a looking forward mm -hmm. um I don't know if that answers yeah. your question, but that's part of yeah. what we are doing at ICU. Yeah. We're looking back, we're breaking down the impact of old structures because believe you me, it's alive mm. um, and kicking. We're building up, we're trying to place healthy structures, healthy ways of thinking, mm. of living. Um, and, and we are, the, and this is my passion, we are bridge building. Mm. We live in a divided city. I always, we always say we have two cities, the one along the mountain mm. and the one on the Cape Flats. And what really energizes me is bringing those mm. communities together. Mm. And there are ways to do it, even though we're still having to break down and build up in the side. Mm. So, Can yeah. you give a concrete example of the, 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 the systems that still are in place just to help people think that through? So the fact that we live in a in a in a city where, you know, if so, we live along the mountain in the southern suburbs, and I think we can very easily live without knowing what goes on, ten minutes down the highway. I mean, it blows my mind, but it's true, and and so I think the geography of our city and the 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 the, the, the segregation lives on. Um, so one of the ways we've, and I don't even know if yeah. we intentionally thought about it, but I think we did. We decided we're going to use our network, um, to help us, um, fulfill the vision that we have for these girls, that these wonderful mentees that we work with and that bringing together has had the most mm -hmm. amazing, um, we've seen the impact mm -hmm. We've seen the beauty of people who don't know each other coming together, loving each other, living life together, mm -hmm. learning from each other. Because I think it's very easy to think that we have so much to give and so much to 
um, in, part. in part. Exactly. Yeah. And yet, the refrain we hear from our mentors over and over mm. is how they've learned sure. from uh, girls whom you... I mean, I think that the temptation is to feel sorry for them. And actually, mm. we just have to come alongside mm. each other mm. and learn from each other. Sure. It's wonderful. Mm. Oh, thank you. Yeah. And Danny... Um, yeah, I mean, look, the, the state of our country is we have over 200,000 NGOs in our country. Mm-hmm. And the problem is we're all fighting over the same piece mm-hmm. of pie because there's also not enough funding. Mm-hmm. But the reality is our past has very much to do with where we are right now. Mm-hmm. So even in apartheid, if we look at the laws, um, and I don't know who said it, but it is documented um, in a meeting where they said the one way we are going to be able to continue to have power is to break down families mm-hmm. and so that was calculated mm-hmm. it is evil to the core mm-hmm. um, the policies of our past mm-hmm. and we're seeing that in the future mm-hmm. where we ask where are the fathers mm-hmm. well we need to only look at back in the law of where the fathers mm-hmm. are mm-hmm. why our grandmothers are the primary caregivers of our children well, we look at our history where mm. moms had to leave mm. their community to go find work where mm. fathers would not mm. be there. And so we see it at a rise. We see how the breakdown of family, breakdown of children, mm. and that generational trauma just continues mm. and continues. So, mm. yes, this is a multifaceted mm. approach. And the reality is we all need to come alongside each other because mm. it needs kind of a three-prong approach, mm. not just one approach, mm. um, in order to, to give that hope and to see the change. And it is possible. And we've seen that. And it is through relationship Mm -hmm. and so that's something that I'm passionate about Mm -hmm. is seeing the restoration of relationship Mm -hmm. when a child can't look at their mother sure and they'll come in and we do some work and they walk together with the understanding of who each other is Mm -hmm. Um, and that makes a difference um, because you have parents mothers who've gone through their own trauma mm-hmm. who will say I never had this what you're telling me mm-hmm. so when we say you got to play with your kids you got to date your children you got to mm-hmm. know who they are um, and the majority of the time the caregivers go I don't know what that's mm-hmm. like because I never had that mm-hmm. um, you know I once did a parenting group where I went on the floor with a mom um, who told me she hates her child mm-hmm. and the reason for that is she was raped she she tried to abort the child she tried to abandon the child and through all this stuff just felt she was stuck with this child she hated um and the moment i said just stick with me Mm. and every day for 10 minutes i want you to do something that your child likes to do Mm. that could be reading that could be Mm. kicking a ball and so i did that with her in Mm. front of the whole group Mm. um as part of role playing and after we were together for 10 weeks she said, you know, Danny, I thought you were crazy. I said, I could never love this child, but I'm starting to like this mm-hmm. child and I'm seeing a difference in his behavior mm-hmm. because she's putting the effort in. Sure. And so if we can do that with families, mm-hmm. but at the same time do that with our education system, mm-hmm. which is a mess, mm-hmm. is, and I know <laughs> you understand this, it is an absolute mess, but if we think about it, mm. our communities, the inequality, the fact that my child mm. knows how to read at the age of five, mm. where children in our community don't even know their colors mm. at the age of five, that is the system we're working mm. in. And our welfare system, if we look at child protection, mm. our kids are falling through the gaps mm. because the systems were designed to work and they're working beautifully. Mm. 
They are. Mm -hmm. But we need to break down those Mm. systems. But it takes a whole community in order to do that. Because we can't just, as um, Karen said, we can't just put the plaster on it. Mm. So we put a new curriculum. We think that's going to work. And then we try it for a few years and we we see it fail. We need to get to the root causes and go, this system. Because it's not the curriculum. No. No. Our policies are beautiful. Mm. You know, I have a master's in social policy. I've studied some of our policies. But the implementation, because the health department doesn't talk to the social development department, Mm. doesn't talk to the education system. Mm. And at a this is what we see most Mm. of the time we advocating for our children we try on a phone we spend Mm. hours Mm. just trying to get departments to talk to each other so that a child can be assessed Mm. and the reality is in our communities each school can only get two children assessed for the entire year Mm. so how many more kids are we losing Mm. now in the pandemic i've been told that a whole generation we need to say Mm. goodbye to because we've lost them sure that's been told Sure. And so we accept it. It's just just, because how are they going to accept it? So it's so interesting that both of you alluded to it. With the meeting room, we're doing a book by Charlene Swartz, Another Country. And I remember a distinct quote which kind of got us all. We're still living under the long shadow of a party. Yes. Um, And that is evident when we all see that. But the other thing, I've also been very aware of that um, in this anti racist space and just in in um, restoration is actually the restoring of dignity because mm-hmm. the less than mm-hmm. the less than mm-hmm. um, ID has been so it's almost part of our DNA. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so yeah. I think as nonprofits and as organizations mm-hmm. and as government, it can't just be about policies. It's how do we restore dignity? Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think they, they're asking the wrong questions yes. and possibly why yes. our policies Completely. are not Completely. Completely. Do you know how it breaks my heart when I talk to young people? And I mean, from the ages of 12 to 15, and the majority of our kids being black, colored Indian will say, you know what we need? We need white people in power mm-hmm. again because we because they do it better. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, it, and it is in our communities mm-hmm. where, you know, we take them out, out of the community mm-hmm. and told, no, we can't talk to mm-hmm. those people. You yes. can talk because you, you can mm-hmm. speak like them. We can't. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's that confidence, that breakdown of who we are and it's mm-hmm. still being taught, mm-hmm. right? So when you were talking about that inferiority that you mm-hmm. just kind of, you never thought about it until you reflect, that's happening still mm-hmm. today. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so we need to fight harder mm-hmm. to go, you are worthy mm. just who you are. Mm, yes. um, and it's so difficult, mm. but it is so important. Because everything throw... around them is saying yes. completely the opposite. Completely. I mean, People, your example about systems, school, uh, the school, school thing, I'm still everything. sitting thinking two children yeah. in the, the entire school can be assessed. And so we have ADHD in our family, and immediately I'm like, I know what that looks like for me. Mm-hmm in our school system, blah, 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 yes. and how I have access. Yes. Mm. And, you know, Crazy. two children are yes. not being assessed yes. in a school. Like, or, or our kids are being misdiagnosed, yeah. right, because they present as ADHD, yes. but it's not. Yeah. It's trauma. Yeah. Yeah. And so we need to know the difference. Yeah. So actually the majority of the time, my colleagues, sure. we are educating some of our psychologists yeah. in the department to yeah. go, that is not ADHD. Yeah. It's, it's traumatized. Trauma. And so now we need to educate yeah. other people about what trauma looks yeah, like exactly. because our educational system, some of them don't even know what it's like to be in the community. They yeah. only come in yeah. twice a week. <sighs> Corin, we've, 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 
I'm sitting on my. And I'm sitting on. We we try not to say anything. I don't know whether to cry. Yeah. But this is the reality. Yeah. So if we want to make a difference, yeah. you know, and we can make a difference. And you are, Danny. Yes. Because both of you, it was interesting. Haley picked up on something other. I. For me, the thing that jumped out was both of you spoke about relationships mm, yes. in different ways. Yes. That building of bridges and relationships. Yes. And and that's who we are as human beings, aren't we? We're designed yeah. for relationship with one another. And that's what apartheid did. It broke that and said yeah, you absolutely. may not have relationships. Yes. Within families you may not and across the wealth gap and a color line, blah, blah, blah. No relationships. So we're, we're trying to fix a deeply broken right. thing. Yeah. But that we are, I, and I don't know if I'm jumping ahead, no, but no, I think, but I, yeah. but I think that when you talk about when, when you analyze both what yeah. what we both said and you bring it down to relationships, I think it is both. Um, it can be both overwhelming, but I mm. almost think that it makes it easier to wrap our head around mm. what do we do, yeah. mm. where we're at, because yeah. I think sometimes we 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 listen to these conversations mm. and we think. Oh my word, yeah. it is completely broken. Where do we start? Yeah. What do we do? I'm just a, I don't know, housewife or I, I'm just a mother or I'm just a this or whatever. But mm. I think when we look at it as relational, a relational issue, it becomes um, easier to yeah. wrap our heads around it because we all are mm. in relationships mm. where we're at. Whether, you know, I am a stay-at-home mom and I have the privilege of having somebody come mm. into my home to help me, that's a relationship. Mm. So looking at our circle of influence, I think there are many opportunities that we can um, grasp, embrace to start doing this mm. work of relationship mm. building. Mm. and um, But that also means you have I to get it. uncomfortable. Yeah, right? absolutely. So, so absolutely. for, for me, I always say, like, if you're going to look at your domestic worker or your gardener, but particularly our domestic workers, what time does she have to get mm. up mm. and leave her family to oh. get to you? Really? So absolutely. what can you do to make it a little bit easier? It might be inconvenient for you. Yeah. Yes. But for, for example, I do come to work late, and if my colleagues are, are, are listening, yeah. they do know, but especially on a Tuesday <laughs> and a Wednesday, because my domestic comes to work, but I tell her, leave when the sun is up, because yes. I know she's at risk when it's yes, dark. Exactly. So yes. she'll come a little bit later, because I'm like, yes, and when those... I love that. Yeah, you know, I love that. Mm. The, the fact that we need to become uncomfortable, so mm. not just... Um, not just assume we know mm-hmm. in the circle of influence mm-hmm. we have and and we're talking about domestic help and yes. assistance, but not to assume that I know how I can come alongside somebody and help or but to actually change our narrative and 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 actually change our uh, posture so mm-hmm. adopt a posture of listening mm-hmm. like do you really know? Mm-hmm. Um, who works for you? Do you yeah. really know that person? I mean, we're very, mm. very intentional in our, as our name suggests, about seeing the other person, mm. seeing the individual who sits mm. across the mm. table from you, who, um, whom you're engaging with. Because I think we often, um, we think we have the answers mm. because, I don't know, because we're educated, because mm. we have resources, because we, we just think we know. Mm. And actually, for me, listening and uh, well, and I thank you, Danny, for listening even when it's uncomfortable mm-hmm. and not just hearing what you what you want to hear. Mm-hmm. I think that's a very yeah. key thing in relationship building no, and building authentic 
yeah. relationships. Yes. I mean, this is the argument. I've, we've been doing some race and diversity talks in private schools, which you can imagine very easy. Um, and, and the educators are like, but I don't want to be uncomfortable. And, and that was always the argument. But it's like, we have to be mm. uncomfortable because that helps us to be more self-reflective. Mm. So I know this is a mental health professional because if we're comfortable, there's no growth. Yeah. That's the reality. Mm. So we need to get uncomfortable. Go, what is making me uncomfortable? Is it this topic? Is it that I don't want to mm. see my own un- unconscious bias? Mm. Because we all have them. Every single person mm. around this table has it. And we need to dig, where has that come from? How, when I'm again more aware of, ooh, my unconscious biases coming to the surface, how do I, you know, challenge that mm. thought? Um, and that is so important because mm. we do live in a race conscious world mm. and it's going to take conscious thought mm. and deliberate action. Mm. Yes. We can't just think about it. Yes. We need to do something about it mm. and what can mm. we but do? But I think that's the, mm. and we, we've probably said it, we've said it once, we've said it a million times, that apartheid was an intentional mm. design. Yes. So the, the, to, get through it or to do away with yeah. the impact of it, you have to be intentional mm-hmm. about yes. everything. Yes. Yes. And that's, I mean, we spoke about intentionally mm-hmm. having a diverse table. Mm-hmm. And yes. I've been challenged, like, who's actually sitting around your table? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, you know, and not just not just race, but mm-hmm. different religions. And, you know, just because we also need to suspend our assumptions mm-hmm. almost when we see that person. And it's something we've learned in ICU. So often, and when I attended your workshop, I was very challenged. I never thought of it that way because mm. I'd come with my assumptions mm. yes, yeah. about the goal and then you actually think I've never mm. seen it that way. But when you you actually suspend it and you take a posture of listening, mm. the what you learn just mm. yeah is my And learning. asking. Yeah. So your domestic worker example is we assume that we know. Yes. Yeah. Ask the person how mm. do you get here mm. in the morning? How many taxis or whatever do you have to take? Mm. You, we know nothing about what time people wake up and how mm. You know, long it yeah. takes them and the yeah. struggle that they have. Yeah. Um, yeah. It is an uncomfortable thing to do because actually what we're having to do is to suspend our pride. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a posture not just of listening, I think, yeah. but it's a posture of humility. Mm-hmm. Um, because, and, and that we all know mm-hmm. takes, um, yeah. it, it yeah. takes work. Mm-hmm. And that it will impact your life when... Not just in a a thinking uh, or being in yourself discomfort, Danny, but it may impact your life financially and in other ways that we've used to the comfort that we have. And now because you're getting more involved in someone else's life who's different from you and who has different needs and different struggles, that that's the discomfort that sometimes people don't want to hang in, you know. Yeah, and I mean, if we're talking about how do you help, how do you have these hard conversations mm. and go, well, you know, I give to charity, I do all this stuff. Mm. I also want to say, how do you give, mm. right? Because the majority of the time, I, I talk from Arise, we get, oh, we want to help and, uh, you know, our kids don't want to play with these toys anymore. And we get broken toys. Mm. How is that dignity? Mm. Literally one day, I mean, we all as a staff burst out laughing, but at the same time, it was laughter out of anger. Mm. If someone gave a doll with no face. With no, with no face. And was like, oh, my child didn't. Well, of course, mm. throw it away. Mm. You know, the same when we did winter warmer packs. People mm. gave broken socks, mm. you know, and with holes in it. Mm. How mm. is that, like, okay? Uh, it's <laughs> never okay. You know, I mean, Throw it away yeah, because yeah, I do. When we yeah. go through the donations, we throw it away. Yeah. We need to give with dignity. Yeah. But that is also unconscious bias. 
Fold goes, clothing, well, wash you know, clothing. Exactly. When you're giving clothing. So yeah. it, even with with myself, is mm. if my domestic worker is like, oh, you know, um, just sometimes she'll fold my kids' clothes and go, oh, there's a hole in it. Can I have it? I'm like, well, no, because it's a hole in it. Mm. Do you need something mm. for your grandchild? Mm. Okay, here's mm. an extra exactly. 200 rand. Go buy some pants. Mm. You know, th- these are the mm. things we need to challenge mm. ourselves mm. to go just because we're not using it doesn't mm. mean someone else wants yeah. it. Mm. You know, the that, those are the things that, yeah. that we need to ask and how we get involved sure. in things. Don't just assume because you're an NGO, I want a broken mm. desk and a broken chair to sit on. Or the fact that, you know, you can just come and volunteer with the poor children who need me. Mm. We will say no. In fact, we have. Mm. Um, because that is part mm. of not just anyone can come and do yeah. the work. We mm. need professionals with skills and expertise who can work with our families and work with our children. You know, don't go to children's homes just to play with these kids. That causes more trauma. Mm. Because where's that attachment? Mm. Because if we think about it, it's your motive. You mm. want to feel good that you've held this little baby in your arm. Mm. But what does that do with the child going, who do I belong to? Mm. So don't do that. So you, So are you saying... That if you commit to something, you need to really commit to it. Not this in, out. No. And understand what you're committing to and what is the need. To to not, and I'm thinking specifically of um, the schools, you know, that my my children have either been at or still are at. Um, Don't. Don't just send our kids into Mm. these situations without preparing them because if they are prepared properly, then they will be able to be um, to, to display the dignity mm. yes. um, as as Danny has just uh, mentioned. Mm. But also, I think there's a lot of there's a lot more work that uh, schools need to do in this particular arena mm. because we're talking about this mm. because. It, the, the danger is that our children start thinking like we do. Mm. Like, mm. You know, we 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 are going to help. Yes. We are the ones who have mm. um, the knowledge and the resources. resources. And so mm. you you it's almost like you are um, the legacy you leave is yeah. this legacy of mm. saviorism. Mm. Yes. Um, but I think that there are so many opportunities for our children mm. to learn mm. as well, but also to just be better prepared mm. and not perpetuate the mm. cycle Completely. of charity. Mm. Um, us and them. Because it, the us and them, yeah. precisely. Us and them. Yes. precisely. So, so if you're going to give sandwiches, yeah. you know, why don't you, there's so many, especially now since the pandemic, there's so many grassroots kit, uh, soup kitchen. Mm. Why don't you take your students and go mm. make mm. soup there? Mm. You know, no one wants just a peanut butter sandwich all the mm. time. You wouldn't want it. Why would everyone else want a yeah. peanut butter well, sandwich? Well, that's part of bridging the two collections that we exist in. Yeah, so yeah. go to your local yeah. soup kitchen in the community, go yeah. interview the, the ladies that are cooking, find out what are the needs, mm. what do they see, yeah. how can you provide more dignity. Mm. Certain things like, you know, um, you don't have to be the one serving, but you can be serving the soup ladies, mm. you know, yeah. give them a break. Mm. Yes. Um, because they get up at half past four in the morning. So, I, you know, we did um, food parcels um, last year. And I remember we were overwhelmed. And so we thank everyone who gave us food. But it was like a lot of food. So what we did actually was we went to our local soup kitchens and we gave them the food. Mm. Um, and I remember, you know, this lady, she just burst into tears. And I mean, she lived in 
um, like a little one bedroom place, but she was feeding 500 people a day. And it was just amazing just to see all the grannies at, like in this little <laughs> stove with this massive pot and they're all stirring and they're cutting um, carrots and potatoes and just that community. And I remember my husband and I, because it was during the weekend, we dropped these, you know, 10 kilograms of this and they were just so overwhelmed. And I said, what can our team do more? Can we help cut potatoes? Mm -hmm. Can we do, what can we do to help? She's like, no, 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 I'm going to get Auntie Mull here and we know we'll be fine, but thank you so much. And so every time they need something else, we're like, you know, what is a hundred rand to give them more potatoes and carrots and onions? And and that's the point of the, this cross learning. So Mm -hmm. don't go in there thinking that we know it all Mm -hmm. because what an example of yeah. community. Like, yes. I mean, I think we can learn so much yes. <laughs> about community yes. and making things yeah. stretch. Mm. I mean, you know, that's that's yeah. how you can feed mm. 500 yes. people. Um, and, and, and the lessons we can mm. learn. Um, I, yeah, I just yeah. think it's amazing. But Opportunity. Also, I think um, often as non-profits, um, you go into a community and say, this is the program, this is what we're uh-huh. running. Um Funny enough, we had uh, someone, I don't know, my husband was talking about it, and I said, has this person actually gone to the community and asked them what is it that they think they need? Mm. Because you mm. that's how you develop agency. Mm. Yes. Um, you know, so we often as nonprofits just go in there and this mm. is what we're doing and this is what you need, which yeah. may be so so far from what they do need. And I yes. think because we don't often count the cost mm. um, in churches when mm. we give charity. Mm. What, what is it costing you? And it must mm. actually, because that's the only way you can truly yes. um, restore. If you're giving and it's not costing mm. you much. But it's about yeah, empowerment, right? Yeah. It's about Agents, empowerment. Yeah. And so everyone's yeah. like, oh, it's so great that you help people. And I'm like, no, it's empowerment. Mm. Yeah. I want people to, to leave yes. our building to go, I can do this on my own. Mm. They have the skills within themselves. We just giving yeah. a little bit more skills and yeah. tools and knowledge mm. that we have. But the people from the community, they are the experts in their own lives and mm. their own families. They know their mm. needs. What we do is we just show them the opportunities mm. of what they can mm. do in order to come out of that trap that they yeah. seem to be in. Mm. And that's what we're doing, right? It's that empowerment, not this we helping. Because if we have that, mm. then we'll continuously yeah. be in the society yeah. that mm. we see. Yeah. But if it's going, how can I give you more skills mm. and tools so that you can do it because our community will always face adversity mm-hmm. so it's being oh I remember this in in this program or I remember mm-hmm. that and I used it and I can use it mm-hmm. in this situation mm-hmm. as well and that's how we empower mm-hmm. people to do it themselves yeah. and that's what we want to see and just as a as as a follow-on to what Danny's saying as I was listening to um, her at ICU, it it's it goes almost um, one step back, mm-hmm. and it's not necessarily about skills and upskilling. Um, that's necessary, but the but our um, driving force is this restoration of dignity, mm-hmm. so that mm-hmm. skills can actually be used. But if um, if the mentee doesn't regard herself as valuable, mm-hmm. as worthy. Um, as somebody to be seen, mm. um, then we haven't done our job mm. um, because that is a core mm. issue mm. that we come up against mm. um, in our work where, you know, as you said, nobody 
Nobody treats these girls with dignity. Not, not the school, not the community often. And, and so that's where it starts. But this is also showing the beautiful harmony that what we see in our communities cannot just be tackled by one organization. Absolutely With no. one focus because the problems are so layered oh, and yes. complex mm, that it yes. needs... It really does need a village. Yes. No, and that's why, you know, at Arise, we always say we can't do it because we work with families with many, many problems. It's like we can't do it alone. We need all these NGOs as well as the departments Mm. to work together Together. Um, because when there's a case of abuse, I need the statutory organization to do their job properly. Mm. If there's a parent struggling with abuse, I go to Sanka, you know, Mm. and I'm not the expert of that, and that's okay. Mm. But the Mm. problem is as I said in the beginning, we're all fighting over the yeah, same the piece money. of pie because the reality is we also need the funds to do the work, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's where the tension lies. It's going, I want to work with you, and this is what I see in the community. You know, mm-hmm. organizations want to work together, but at the same time it's like, but we also need this funding. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's also mm-hmm. the government isn't empowering the NGOs to do to work together either, mm-hmm. um, and that's so frustrating. Um, and then it's also clashes of politics and values and that's relationship mm. so it's hard work because mm. even though you're trying to work with families and relationship within your partnerships you're working on relationship mm. um, but as a Christian we know right like that is what the gospel is about mm. it's about relationship mm. and hope mm. and we have that mm, and so do. how do we um, do. be able to be mm. like God be like Jesus in the community mm. it's showing that grace it's showing that understanding, that empathy, mm-hmm. um, and loving people when it's hard. Because mm-hmm. it's not easy. Mm-hmm. It is hard. It is hard. <laughs> and that's, yeah. it's the, that's the encouragement yeah. um, in, in working together. Because I think we, we agree that without the um, partnership with, with Arise, um, you mm-hmm. know, we would really struggle to do what we need to do. And so I really, I'm encouraged by that. That brings me joy when one can work together in partnership Mm. because I think we all agree that we can't do this on our own. It's multifaceted, multilayered. And we need all hands on deck. Mm. But uh, you, you do touch on something which I think we, we, we need another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we could actually yeah. spend, and maybe we do need to have a follow-up yeah. podcast. Yeah. So I don't, I, the question I kind of would like you ladies to answer just as we wrap up mm. is, um, and, and I'm throwing you a bit, because you mentioned, Karen, that we don't all either have the resources or, you know, the will to actually start a non-profit organization or work for one. How do people, women in their own sphere, how, how can they um, imagine a different world and how can they be agents um, to making that world a reality? Yeah, I, I think like we touched on, looking at your immediate world, where's your relationships lie? Um, and, you know, for, for me, for example, just in my personal space, it, it's definitely been with my domestic worker and our 
our gardener that comes in once a month, um, understanding their, their circumstances and go, how can we advocate for their families to be better? Um, so, for example, um, you know, our domestic worker was struggling to get her child in school because everything's online and she has no skills and resources to do that. So I did that for her or following up when she couldn't get into a school because, you know, schools are full. There's not enough schools for children in the Western Cape great um so you also advocating for that um as well as you know our gardener comes from malawi and he's trying to build a house um in in malawi for his family and so it's like how can we help them to access those resources and these are the things that you get involved in and then also obviously i'm the director of arise um <laughs> but it's going where can you you get involved in and and then it's also important to know what is your capacity yeah. so don't over exert yourself have those boundaries um but talk to people who are involved and go I, this is on my heart maybe it's education maybe it's child welfare what can i do in my area of that and but go and find and seek those people mm. and get the advice um, out there. So Thank so you. if if I was to answer this, um, you know, I, I I can give examples of of how it works out in daily life. But I I was thinking perhaps it's about an attitude. Mm-hmm. It starts with an attitude of intentionality. We spoke mm-hmm. about that, and an attitude of honesty where we go, yes. This is X number of years behind uh, after um, democracy, but to recognize, well, I think we said this earlier, that the past reaches into the mm-hmm. present. And uh, whether we like it or not, whether it makes us uncomfortable or not, that is the mm-hmm. truth. And so to be intentional about bridging this gap, mm-hmm. which exists, yeah. whether we are aware of it or mm-hmm. not. Um, and in that intentionality, how you navigate life, mm. to be aware of mm. others who are not as privileged as I am, and to actually acknowledge and be honest about my privilege, mm. and to say I have it. What am I going to do with it? Mm. You know, it's not it's not all bad. Mm. Actually, let's be honest. We enjoy it, mm. but let's use it. And that will look different for me, for you, for all of us around the table. We will use it differently. Um, But don't be um, ignorant of that fact and don't try and argue it away. It is there. And it is there for many of us in different degrees, in different ways. And then um, I think just... To navigate life with others in mind. Mm. So, so for me, Jesus um, is this example of other-centeredness. Mm. And as Christians, as followers of Jesus, let's, you know, just for a little while, stop to practice it. Mm. Just stop thinking of myself mm. in a situation and imagine what the other person mm. is going through. And then just an example um, which... Uh, slightly different to what we've been talking about but last week I um, saw in a uh, close to a coffee shop that I often go to I saw a little boy and it was the second or third time I had seen him and I figured that he's he is the son of the car guard Mm -hmm. so I thought to myself you know sometimes we just want to go through life and not see what we're seeing Mm -hmm. but I thought let's stop and ask this gentleman is that your son and if he is, why is he not in mm. school? 
Um, and that opened up this incredible conversation with, um, with Eric. And I got to know him a little bit better. I got to understand why his child wasn't in mm. school. I got to understand his frustration with the school mm. where the kids aren't back and we know mm. why. But as a father, he is very concerned about his child. I mean, I know the stereotype that could have been running, th well, mm. that probably did run through my head the first time I encountered this child. You know, this dad is mm. bad. He's not putting his child in mm. school, blah, 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 blah. But actually, this is a concerned dad, mm. but the school isn't necessarily mm. listening to him. And so we could talk about that. And I tried to follow up with somebody I know in the department. And so just to navigate life, mm. being aware of others, and not to react to your stereotypes, mm. um, but to show an interest in mm. the individual. Sure. Mm -hmm. To question them, as Danny mm. said. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's interesting because as you're talking about car guards, I thought, so one of the things I'm quite passionate about is that we can always give more than we give ourselves credit for. So if you think about car guards and petrol attendants, you know, one is likely to give someone a tip. And that used to be a two rond. Mm. But I want to challenge our listeners. You can always give more. And do we understand that car guards pay a, a daily amount of money to be a car guard, mm. which often is 20 rand. So if you count how many cars, I've often mm. done this. So if you give them 20 rand or 10 rand, mm. which sometimes we are able to give, you freed them up. Mm. Um, and so it's just factoring those little amounts into your budget. You can shift someone's whole life mm -hmm. um, just by doing that. And there's a multitude of other examples which have got nothing to do with funding an NGO. But I, um, one of the other things that Haley and I have been talking about with our ladies is that collectively, sometimes we think as individuals, well, I, I mm. don't have lots of money, and perhaps, and perhaps you don't. But you could join up with other people and collectively um raise money for whatever your passion is or, or you know whatever the thing is so um there's so many yeah. things we could we yeah. ideas yeah. so yeah. the imagining and the yeah. the ideas and it's about serving each other yes. right because that's what yeah. the NGO world is how yes. to be served so, yeah. um and part of that is 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 looking at how do we serve means putting others first oh, yes. and understanding their needs yes. um and so that is so it is part of the conversation yeah. i do want to say <laughs> so it's really just being able to go how do i serve yeah. and how do i make sure that the people that i'm serving is at the center of it yeah. and not ourselves mm. yeah yes. i love that well sure karen and danny we're going to have to do a follow-up yes yeah. Yeah. <laughs> definitely because yeah. i realize in this space is just i mean it could go on and on um what I do want to say, thank you for touching mm -hmm. on two of the, thank you for being here and giving mm -hmm. up your time and also for touching two of the important elements or foundational elements of the meeting room, which is to educate yourself mm -hmm. and action, to actually yeah. do something about it. And we really thank you for sharing your insights and giving um, our listeners a bit of insight into the communities you mm -hmm. work in mm -hmm. and so that we can all do better. Mm -hmm. Thank you.